Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 341, and we're talking about how to spend a day in Acarunia in Spain. Yeah, but we're quite far away from Acarunia and its seashore right now. In fact, we're inland in a small village near Stowmarket in the UK. That's right. My mum's actually visiting at the moment, so we've been doing a few things with her. Last weekend, we went into Stowmarket, which is what about? It's quite a long walk. It would be about an hour's walk, but by taxi, it seemed to take about four and a half minutes. <laughs> we went in because it was the, the Stowmarket Carnival. And so we went and we sat and waited and waited and waited for a parade, which was a bit of a disappointing parade. I think I didn't enjoy it that much. What wasn't disappointing was the beer festival that was on. There was a about 200 beers and uh, real ciders on offer. So that was fantastic. That was pretty cool. In fact, my only disappointment was that we went on the last day of three days. Yeah, but it was a Saturday. Like we couldn't really come on a Thursday or Friday, unfortunately. When we first came to the UK, so about 12 years ago, we were just staying for three or four days in St. Albans with a friend of ours. And there was a camera beer festival. So camera is the campaign for real ale. So it's not like lagers or, or fizzy beer. It's the beer that's made in barrels. That was, I think, my first experience of, of this kind of real ale beer. And so it's quite cool that we've been able to go to a few more beer festivals over the last few years. Absolutely. And today we went to the Village Tea. That was not so much of a beer festival. as <laughs> a coffee festival and a tea festival. It's not really a festival at all. What it was, was a whole bunch of people from the church meeting in the pub to have tea and cake. Yes, we did buy some, some raffle tickets, but the raffle wasn't drawn before we had to go to come and record this podcast. So we don't know if we've won anything. Luckily, our neighbours were there, so they've got our tickets. And yeah, hopefully they'll let us know if we've won something. Here's a bit of a recording from the parade in Stowmarket on the weekend. Today's episode is sponsored by 23andMe.com. 23andMe.com is a genetic service that provides you with DNA reports about where your DNA comes from around the world. So you can basically explore what percentage of your DNA comes from places like Italy, Finland, East Asia, or Africa. And from now until August 3rd, 2017, you could win a genetic adventure as 23andMe.com will choose one person every day for 23 days to travel to countries based on their DNA. Order your DNA kit for a chance to win a trip to explore your connection to the world and travel like never before. To enter, visit 23andme.com. That's the number 23andme.com. Now, we do have to say that no purchase is necessary and it's only open to legal US residents who are 18 or older. It ends August the 3rd and you must complete the 23andme service. So visit 23andme.com slash rules for free entry. And today we're talking about a place where both of us might have a little bit of connection to, A Coruña in Galicia, Spain. I say that because Galicia is a Celtic nation, unlike most of the rest of Spain. Coruña's got a lot more in, in touch with the UK, Ireland. It's pretty crazy to think there's this little bit of, of Gallicness just sitting there. But hey, there's the French as well. Yeah, we like to say that Coruña is like Scotland, but in Spain. It's just, it's got this feeling, I don't know, it definitely is Celtic rather than Spanish. I mean, it's a combination of the two because it is definitely in Spain and they do speak Spanish there. But the weather tends to be not so sunny and warm. It tends to be cooler. The people also tend to be a little bit more reserved, not so outgoing. So yeah, it's a great place. And they also wear kilts and play the bagpipes. So that's a bit of a giveaway. There's that too. There's that too. And yeah, Craig was saying that we might have a connection there because obviously Craig is Scottish, his parents are from Scotland. 
And there's a legend in my family that we have a little bit of Spanish blood. So who knows? It might be from there. Yeah, we really love Coruña. We've spent four or five months there over the years. And in fact, we were just there a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, just for a week, revisiting old haunts and just, yeah, love that place. We originally went there in 2012. So it was after Craig and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary, we walked from Seville all the way up to Santiago de Compostela in the north of Spain. And we were going to be in Spain for a year. I had a working holiday visa and Craig, as a British citizen, at that time could uh, stay in Spain for as long as he wanted. Who knows how long that will last now. So we decided to go to Coruña because one of my language exchange partners, Oliva, lived there. And also we were looking for somewhere on the beach. We like being by the sea. So we finished our walk and made our way up to Coruña and spent the summer there. And it was just, it was so great. I felt so at home there. Yeah, not the least because of the Pahutukawa. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. We were walking around one day and I noticed that there were some very familiar trees. And I thought, oh, they look familiar. But it wasn't until they started to bloom a week or so later that I realized that they were Pahutukawa trees. So this is my favorite tree. It's known as the New Zealand Christmas tree. It's native to our part of the world. You also see them in Australia and some Pacific Islands. It's really a New Zealand tree. We think of it as a New Zealand tree. And the legend goes that an explorer brought back some seedlings or some seeds and planted them throughout Karunia. And I just felt so at home. You know, my favorite New Zealand tree was all over the place. It was really cool. Now, right through summer, they have a great cultural program there with free outdoor concerts in the town square. There's some massive festivals that go on, the largest of which is San Juan, which has just been... With bonfires on the beach and... Yeah, everyone's eating sardines, and it's just really cool. It is. It's it's one of the best San Juan parties that I've been to. And yeah, there's just so much to do apart from sitting on the beach. And they have a gorgeous stretch of white sand beach uh, with a little bit of surf, but also some of the bays are, are really calm and protected. So it's just amazing, amazing beaches. But right now, today, we're going to talk about how to spend just one day in Karunia. Because it is a little bit off the beaten track. It's not a place that a lot of people go to. And a lot of people pop in on a cruise ship and just have one day to get around. Yeah, so whether you're coming in on a cruise ship and just want to spend your one day there, or whether you're coming up to spend a weekend in the city, this is to give you an idea of what you can do with one day in Karunia. Absolutely. It's probably worth saying that most of the tourism that happens in Karunia happens with Spanish people that travel from around the country to come up to the northwest coast and have a, a couple of weeks or a long weekend there over the summer. And it's much less known to, to foreigners. So it's a little bit of a Spanish secret. Yeah, I think it's somewhere that's definitely worth visiting. It's one of my favorite cities in Spain. I'd go there over Madrid partly because in summer Madrid does get really ridiculously hot. <laughs> but it's just a nice place. It's a great place to hang out. Now, just a bit of geography. Coruña is an isthmus, so it's shaped more or less like a T, like a very wonky T. And uh, if you imagine the, the downstroke of the T, on one side it's all beaches. There's two beaches called Orzan and Riazor, and that takes up one side. And on the other side of that downstroke you've got the, the ports, then on the top of the T, pretty much where the top stroke and the downstroke meet, you've got the main plaza. And then up the top there, off to the left, is the Tower of Hercules. So let's get on to talking about how we'd spend one day in Corunia. And in fact, the way we'd start is by going to the Tower of Hercules. 
So the Tower of Hercules is connected with the Roman legends around Hercules, and it's said that he landed there on a boat as part of his journey. But myth aside, it's one of the oldest remaining lighthouses that's uh, operational anywhere in the world. It was built in the Roman times, and when you see it now, you kind of go, that's a Roman lighthouse? It looks very modern. And that's because they've actually enclosed the Roman lighthouse with a very pretty, but very modern-looking stone lighthouse building. But if you go inside of that, the entire old tower is still standing inside of that protective casing. So they've built this protective casing around it to stop the sea breeze and, and the wind and the rain all uh, eroding away further this ancient Roman tower. It's really cool. It's definitely, definitely worth a visit. It only costs three euros to go in. It's actually free on Mondays, but on Mondays it gets very, very busy. One time we went, and I think it must have been on a Monday, because they limit the number of people who can come in. So we were standing in line for ages and ages and ages. And then when we finally got in, the fog rolled in. So by the time we got to the top of the lighthouse, we were looking out over this wonderful white expanse, (laughs) absolutely zero views. And we were there with our friend Janine, and we're like, don't you enjoy the views of Karunia? It was hilarious. And they are beautiful views looking out over the Atlantic when the uh, when it's there. We went there once with uh, my mum and uh, one of my sisters. And my sister is scared of heights, but she was committed to, to go up the top here. While we we're up there, someone offered to take our photo with the glistening sea as a backdrop. And it was going to be great. And so we've got our backs up against the railing. And my sister took half a step back, and because there's a guttering that runs along the railing, her heel just dropped into that guttering a little bit, and that that gave her quite a fright. So completely safe, not a problem at all, but if you are afraid of heights, you might prefer just to enjoy looking around the, the bottom part of the tower rather than climbing up the top. Well, go up the top, but don't put your back to the view and then step backwards into the gutter so that you feel like you're falling off. <laughs> you know, that's one way around as well. But yes, definitely head that way. There are discounts for kids and, and older people as well. So I'd start there in the morning and make the most of those views. Uh, Look across the bay and you'll see uh, a mountain on the far side. We'll visit there after lunch and look back in towards the town and you'll see the white sand beaches with the waterfront just sitting there. So walk in that direction. You're following the coastline around to the center. And the first thing you're going to come across is the aquarium. So bear in mind that most of the things we're talking about open around 10 a.m. That's Spain we're talking about here, so they're not going to open very early. The Tower of Hercules opens at 10, so plan to be there around then. The aquarium is similar. It costs 10 euros to enter. We went in once. We really enjoyed it. Uh, Lots of very interesting displays. If you're not so into aquariums, don't go in. Just wander around a bit, and you'll be able to look over the fence and see the sea lion enclosure, which is quite a nice big enclosure, and the sea lions just frolic around a bit. So that's worth seeing just in and of itself. Absolutely. You can have your own meet the Fockers moment because <laughs> the, uh, the Spanish word for sea lion is Fokker. So go and, go and say hi. Every time we walk past, Craig made that joke. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a worthy joke to make. Every single time. <laughs> next up, as you follow along, the next big impressive uh, building you see is the Domus, which is the Museum of, of Humankind, I guess you might call it, the Museum of Man. 
And it's just two euros to go in, and it's quite an interesting building in and of itself. But inside, there's a couple of floors of interactive, sciencey, and knowledge based exhibits about people. Yeah, we found it really interesting. We went a couple of times, and I think it's a wonderful thing to do, especially on a rainy day. So if you've gone to see the aquarium, then you might not have time to do this before lunch. You can come back later. Just plan your day how you how you like. But we really enjoyed going in, having a look around. There was an exhibit where we could take our blood pressure. One time there was a big display of all different utensils that people used for cooking around the world, and you had to guess what things were for. But I think our favorite one was the ping pong ball, wasn't it, Craig? Yeah, this was a weird kind of experiment slash game where you put on a a sensor around your head that measured your brain waves. And two people sat opposite each other with a ball on a flat table in the middle. And the more relaxed you were, the more the ball would move away from you. So it's kind of like a competition where you're trying to be more relaxed than the other person. And the the more relaxed your, your brain patterns were, the more that the ball would move away from you. So if you were super relaxed and someone else was a bit highly strung, you could shoot this ping pong ball across the table at them. Craig won everyone he tried. I think he did it against me and your sister and your and your mum, and you won all three. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Craig's super relaxed. Okay, it must be time for lunch now. So we recommend our favorite place to go, and we go there every time we go to Coruña. In fact, I don't think we could go to Coruña and not go to this place. In the Plaza de España, which is pretty central, there's a restaurant called Pulpeira Melody, and it sells pulpo, which is octopus. Now, even if you're not so into octopus, you really have to try this. It's so good. They cook it and just, ah, oh, I don't know how they do it. It's just such an amazing way. And they serve it on these wooden platters with olive oil and a little bit of spice. And we always order cachelos, which are the potatoes, also boiled and then olive oil and, and spice. And we also order pimientos de padron, which are a local tiny little pepper that are maybe the size of your one of your fingers. So they vary in size. Some of them are hot and some of them are not. We've found that about 1 in 20 has a bit of a, a kick to it. And it's just so much fun taking one and not knowing whether it's going to burn your mouth or not. Yeah, it's a culinary Russian roulette, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. The Galician octopus is one of the things that the region is famous for. And I reckon that Melida is probably the, the best place to get it in, uh, in Karunia. Also on the menu will be Albarino, which is a, a white wine of Galicia as well. Make sure you pick up a bottle of that to go alongside uh, your pulpo. Now, they have a lot of other stuff on the menu, and they've, in fact, just expanded. I think it was only last month they expanded into the restaurant next door. So now they've got double the amount of space. We always sit outside, though. It's nice, nice to sit outside for lunch. But yeah, it's very exciting to see them doing well. If seafood isn't your thing, then... All of the bars around the place, almost without exception, will have what's called a men menu del dia, which is a meal of the day. So this will be a simple meal for between 7 and 12 euros, and it'll be a simple three-course meal with very few options. So it'll be, you know, you can either have soup or a salad to start. Okay, done. You can either have beef or chicken for your main. Okay, done. You can have a piece of fruit or a yogurt for dessert. Okay, done. So it's very, very simple with basic options, and it's a great way to have lunch on the fly while still getting a really good meal. 
Also, it usually comes with a drink and a coffee at the end. So, and by a drink, I mean you can have a soft drink or you can have a beer or you can have wine. And quite often out in our experience, they just bring a bottle of wine and stick it on the table and you can drink as much as you like. So don't go overboard because it's lunchtime, you know, you want to be relaxed. But yeah, I think it's really good value. Now, I just wanted to say you've got three courses, but don't think that the first course is like an entree. Uh, they have two plates. So plate one is the the first course and it tends to be vegetable based. And plate two is the second course and it tends to be meat based. Quite a lot of the restaurants won't have menus in English. If you're in the center of town, they will, but that's kind of the more touristy area. You're better off finding somewhere, like in the Plaza de España, there are a couple of restaurants there. They'll just have a board outside saying what's on offer. So get out your Google Translate app and just work it out and, you know, give it a go. So it's time to walk off that big and glorious lunch. I would head back down to the the waterfront, the side of the coast, the west coast that you came from, and continue the walkway along the waterfront, the Paseo Maritimo, uh, along the beaches and then up the mainland side of it. So you're on the other side of the cove from where you started. And as you walk along there, you'll begin to pass the big football stadium. You'll go past several sculptures. And it's eventually... a really cool one of an octopus. It's my favorite. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, make sure you snap a photo with the octopus. And eventually you'll hit the bottom of a cable car, the Ascensor Monte San Pedro. That will take you up to the top of the Monte San Pedro, the mountain. Yeah, and it's really cool because it's this big circular kind of a globe-shaped uh, lift. So it, it looks pretty cool just in and of itself, but then you get to go up in it. And at the top, there's a couple of shops and there's a really nice park to spend some time in. And there was a maze that we got to, to have a go in. So that was really nice. From there, you can either catch the lift back down and then walk back around. We tended to catch a bus from there back into the city. If you're not into going for another long walk, you could head to the Casa de las Ciencias or to the art gallery. Art gallery is right in the middle of town. We really enjoyed that. Make sure to visit Plaza Maria Pita, which is the main square. That's where the town hall is. And it's just a really lovely square. If you're there in summer, there might be an event going on. There might be a concert, something like that. So it's a really good place to go. And if you exit Plaza Maria Pita to the east, you'll come out on the port side, which has just been renovated over the last couple of years and has a great walkway. If you look down amongst the small fishing boats, you'll see dozens and dozens of fish just uh, bobbing along in the harbour. Yeah, it's a really nice walk, and there are bars, restaurants, ice creams all the way along that bit of waterfront there. Yeah, it's really cool. They've, they've closed it off to most traffic, so buses and taxis can go along there and uh, like local people can get in and out. But it used to be this crazy busy street and it wasn't very pleasant. But now that it's mostly pedestrianized, it's really cool. Absolutely. Well, sooner or later, you'll begin to feel a bit hungry. And if you're like most Spaniards, this will start happening around 10, 11, 12 p.m. <laughs> uh, the idea of a big lunch and a late dinner is not just a stereotype. It is truly a way of life up here. But the good thing is, if you're hungry earlier, you can still do what we're recommending for dinner, which is go out for tapas. So anytime from around six o'clock, you can go and start having something to eat. So we recommend you go to Rua Galera, which is in the main part of town, in the downstroke of the tea, if you remember my metaphor from earlier. There are a whole bunch of different uh, restaurants you can go to. One of our favorites is La Bombilla. It doesn't have very many tables. You have to go up and order and you kind of point at things. They have only about six or seven things that you can order, but they all only cost one euro. So that's pretty cool. 
Then just down the street is one called VTAC, which we, I think it had opened since we were last there. So when we were here just now, we went a couple of times with our friends and it was really good. Most of the tapas cost 110 and they had a huge range. You can also get half portions, which are called media raciones, or full portions of these of these tapas. So raciones is the, the word. And they, of course, cost more, but you get a plate or a small plate with the uh, the food that you choose. An old favorite of ours, and I'm not really quite sure why, but for some reason it keeps drawing us back, is Aracuncho de Maite, which is uh, opposite a beautiful church in Calle Portico de San Andres. Yeah, I don't know, it's just a little corner bar, but the staff are friendly and the food's kind of a solid above average across the board with good beer, good wine. Yeah. We used to like the tequeño, which is kind of like a a thick breadstick with cheese inside. Mm. And they also do a nice uh, zorza and rasho, which are both pork dishes. We got, I think, the rasho with a uh, blue cheese sauce was really nice. By the way, if you're wanting to order beer, the standard size is called a caña. And if you want a small one, it's a corto. And a corto, it's, it's not a big beer, but it's only going to cost you about a euro to 150. So it's pretty good value. Yeah, the local beer is Estrella Galicia, and it is pretty good. It's actually one of my favorite Spanish-made beers, so well worth getting into. And there's lots of bars around the place where it is brewed to the recipe. There's no variation. We're not talking kind of real micro-brewing, but it is brewed in the bar that it's come from and then, you know, pulled on tap, stored there. That is, yeah, just really nice and fresh. So yeah, that's pretty much our advice to how to spend a day in La Coruña. Very quickly then, how does one get there? Well, if you're not coming in on a cruise ship, there are direct flights from Madrid, Barcelona and London. We actually flew out from Coruña to London and into Heathrow, which is pretty amazing. We got a very good good price as well. Uh, And you can also come in by train from elsewhere in Spain. We came up from Portugal. And if you are coming from Portugal, you have to change in Vigo. There are also buses. There's a big bus station. And you can drive in. We've walked away from the city when we did the Camino de Santiago. But yeah, plane or train or bus are your main options. The hotels in the old town and uh, kind of old city center tend to be quite noisy at night because they're really located along those same narrow streets as all of the bars and restaurants. But if you stay on the mainland, just a couple of hundred meters off the peninsula, it can be a lot quieter. Uh, When we were there recently, we stayed at the Moon Hotel. It was pleasant, nothing special, but it was right near the train station. And we also found better locations with Airbnb. We were able to stay out on the peninsula in Monte Alto, which is just outside of that old town area and a really nice family neighborhood. That's uh, a great place to be. And we've also done couchsurfing there as well. So I'd recommend have a look at the hotels, but also keep Airbnb and couchsurfing in mind. Our sponsor for this week is 23andMe. To bring excitement to the idea of traveling based on your DNA, 23andMe is giving away 23 trips to 23 winners between July the 12th and August the 3rd. Destinations will be based on a winner's 23andMe ancestry composition results. Each of the Golden 23 sweepstakes winners will receive a trip valued up to $20,000. US That's accommodation for five nights, round-trip airfare for winner and a guest, custom itinerary to explore local life, and a little bit of spending money. I think that sounds really awesome. I'd be pretty excited to win that. So remember to enter visit23andme.com. That's the number 23, A-N-D-M-E.com. 
No purchase is necessary. This is only open to legal U.S. residents 18 or older. It ends August 3, 2017, and you must complete the 23andMe service. Visit 23andMe.com rules for free entry. So what are we up to over the next week or so, Linda? Well, my mum's still here, so we'll be spending some time with her. I think she's planning to go into Stowe Market tomorrow. And then we're heading to France. Well, by we, I mean me and my mum and my brother and sister-in-law, not Craig. He has to stay behind with the dogs and the tortoises. Yeah, I will. I'll stay here and look after them. And we've got a friend arriving from New Zealand. So unfortunately, uh, it's it's not quite coinciding with Linda's time here, but hopefully I'll be able to catch up and spend some time with her. Yeah, it'll be good. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.